Welcome everyone to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. And let me just tell you, fans, yes, we had to restart this podcast because TJ forgot my tagline. And I had to say it myself. I mean, you know, I just think it makes me look really egotistical if I have to say it myself. But I guess I'm going to have to do that regardless of how it looks. Thank you. But if you prompt me to say it, it's not egotistical, though, right? That's how that Whatever. works. You, you know you're supposed to do it, okay? <laughs> what a shock. Oh, goodness. Oh, yes, Grumpy Old Man. Um, I know the last time we had our podcast, um, we talked about the NHL kind of moving towards a 24-team playoff format. And it looks like the NHL and the NHLPA is coming closer and closer on how exactly that's going to be laid out and and what it will entail. Um, This was just reported today um, on a Sunday evening. Um, But it looks like they're definitely going to go ahead and move towards that 24-team format, Grumpy Old Man. And teams are going to be able to start practicing or holding, um, I guess, holding practices in some capacity here in mid to late May. And I looked at it and like, well, we're already in mid mid May right now. So it, I, at least the way I took it, Grumpy Old Man, it could be dangerously soon that you know the NHL is going to be at least practicing in some capacity, and teams are going to be back skating on the ice. Yeah. Well, let's look at the positives. Okay, the Islanders would definitely make the playoffs. <laughs> that is true. And we would not be, you know, we'd make it comfortably. Uh, Now, also, uh, what they said was they're not going to go straight to the playoffs. And this is uh, Pierre Lebrun reported this today in The Athletic. And uh, what he said was there would be some games involved beforehand. Um, And that would be something that the players would have pushed for, that they want to have some games ahead of time, I guess, kind of just get your feet under you again. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. and I would think you're right with it being mid-May now. I think you're seeing a loosening on the restrictions around the country, which is a good thing. Um, and I think that uh, I think we're going to see hockey. You know, probably by the end of the month, I want I want to say we're going to see guys back in training camp, and maybe the playoffs starting maybe the beginning of July. I don't know, something like that. You like I said, if you throw some games in, in a couple of weeks where, you know, they got to, you know, get back in game shape and then some games. maybe. And, and, this, and this grumpy old man, they're talking about the reports, I believe it was in April. They originally, when they were talking about how they wanted to return back to play and everything like that, they said that phase two, quote unquote, when self-isolation of players is lifted and the team facilities were allowed to reopen and they'd be practicing in some capacity would occur in mid to late May. And I don't think anything has changed where it's been drastically worse than had been expected over a month ago. So I have to assume they're still somewhat on the same exact guidelines or path to having the team facilities open back up and practicing in some capacity. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're seeing it. The NFL is also letting teams open their facilities based on guidelines, you know, established by whatever state they're in, uh, starting, I believe, this Tuesday. Uh which, you know, benefits certainly teams in Florida um, because they are, like I said, Florida is open for business right now. Uh, Yeah. I've been seeing videos of people at bars with no face masks on and, you know, drinking, having a good time in Florida. Um, I know at least here where I'm located, Grumpy Old Man, the barbershop finally opened back up. Thank God almighty, because my hair was getting long and shaggy, but I had to wear my little mask to get my hair cut. But I I really needed a haircut in the worst way. Well, well, I'm just going to tell you, 
the hair cutting places are not open by me. Uh, so I've been doing some self-trimming. And I know I look, here's the thing, everyone knows I look fantastic anyway, regardless of how much hair I have around the, uh, you know, back of my ears or wherever, but uh, I cannot wait to go get a professional haircut as as great as the grumpy old man is, cutting his own hair is probably not a strength. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, grumpy. I'll tell you one thing. It was something about having like a haircut because it was getting abnormally long. I mean, think about it. Really, the barbershop's been closed down since at least uh, March, right? I mean, like that's at least three months, almost three, two, three months without a haircut, depending on when you had your last haircut. And I was desperately in need for a haircut, and it felt great. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm still in the non-haircut boat. And the worst thing is it kind of curls up in the back right now, which is not, like I said, it's not a good look for the grumpy old man, I'm going to admit. <laughs> as beautiful as I am, that's still not a good look for me. Oh, goodness, Grumpy. Um, but but it, when does I mean, saw it, does, hold on, it does mean that I have more coverage on the top, though. Um, <laughs> you know, longer strands to swirl around for maximum coverage. So, so the comb over is uh, is at optimal performance, and that's what you're telling me. It's not a comb over. It's not like I'm combing it from my ear all the way over, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying that the stuff, the stuff that usually is cut a little bit shorter in the middle is a little bit longer now, and I'm definitely not cutting that. I might trim the sides a little bit, but I'm definitely not hacking up the top of my head. But I, seriously, I was thinking about buzzing my head earlier in the week, and I'm like, uh, no, that's that's a bridge too far for me. Sorry, Grumpy. I can tell you, after the three years of podcasting, I've never seen you with anything besides your haircut that you have right now. So if I were to log on and see you with a buzzed haircut, I would definitely be in shock. There's no doubt about that. I, I would have to be shocked too. <laughs> um, but you know, more back to hockey news. The the twenty four game the the twenty four team playoffs we kind of talked about it in depth last podcast I think that benefits the Islanders and it's going to be interesting to see in the in the following days what exactly the ramp up to the playoff type of atmosphere the playoff the twenty four game playoffs will be um, we talked about it they obviously are going to have a few games before the actual playoffs. So they're almost going to be like a, 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 a camp or like a camp type atmosphere, or a, a, a spring training, you know, for using baseball terms, but they're going to be, they're going to have some type of uh, buffer in between just uh, getting back to hockey action and going right into the playoffs. Right. And we have to figure that it's going to be eight teams are going to get first round buys and maybe they do a, uh, the other 16 teams play a, two out of three or maybe three out of five series. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be really interesting because you're going to – I could not even predict a winner at this point in time because, you, like I said, with eight teams getting a bye, which you'd have to assume with 24, you're going to have to get it to 16 so you can whittle it down, you know, break it down how it normally goes to, you know, to, to one champion eventually. Uh those teams that play in the first round are going to have an advantage. They are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I think you could see some upsets in the first uh, or in the second round. Um, you know, when all it, the, you know, the top eight teams, you know, from the, or the top four teams from the Eastern Conference and the top four teams from the Western Conference are kind of finally getting back to, to playing hockey on a more consistent basis. I, I think this year's Stanley Cup is definitely up for grabs. There's no doubt about it. Um, and as much as last year, we saw a lot of volatility. In the uh, the NHL playoffs, where you know 
the Tampa Bay Lightning went out of the first round. You had the Colorado Avalanche go out the first round in last year, and I think the Flames as well. There were a lot of top-tier teams that went out in the first round. Uh, I think there's definitely a chance for it to be a crazy and wild NHL playoffs this year. Yeah, and I also think the teams that are a little bit older, uh, the Islanders, um, I think the Islanders have a shot to do well in this playoff, this new playoff format, where I was really worried about them even making the playoffs at the end of last year. They're definitely going to make it, and if they play a, you know, a three out of five or whatever, I, I'm not sure what they're planning yet, but if you have a three out of five, that gives them a few games to get under their, uh, few games under their belt, and they usually come out uh, the beginning of the year playing pretty well under Barry Trotz, and that would certainly help them. Um, I mean, is I think- it is it crazy, grumpy old man to say that I legitimately think the Islanders have a chance to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, I, and uh, the reason being is the reason being is for a few different things, and I'll make my points here, grumpy old man. I think when you see all these teams return back to play they're going to struggle a little bit with offensive continuity and creativity. They haven't played for a long time. And if you look at how long usually camp lasts and how many games they actually have to kind of ramp up into the regular season, it's like over a month. And I don't foresee the uh, the training time period and the uh, the simulated games, I guess we can use as a term, the simulated games that you know these teams are going to be playing against other teams. I don't think I don't think that's going to span over a month. I think it's going to be really difficult for a lot of these teams to get to where they wanted to be or where they had left off before this break. Yeah, I agree, and that's not going to hurt the Islanders since we don't have any offense anyway. I don't think we have to worry about any <laughs> developing any offensive continuity. We didn't all year long, uh, but teams that play really solid defense are going to benefit from this, and that's what the Islanders are. I like I said, I thought the Islanders were a, a old, tired team um, by the end of, by when uh, you know the coronavirus struck and they shut down the league, I thought that we looked old and tired. And I think now we're going to be rejuvenated. I'm not saying we're going to win the cup, but I think our chances of going deeper are much better now. I'm so, just saying we have a chance to win the cup. Where if before the coronavirus happened, I would have told you there's no way in hell we're going to make we're going to win the Stanley Cup. And there's no you know there's a possibility we're not even going to make the playoffs at that time period. I mean we had lost seven straight at that time, but. To speak about defensive structure and playing a defensive-minded game, that is not something that takes a long time to bring back to life. When you look at it, and that's really with all sports, it takes offenses usually a little bit longer to kind of get reacclimated to where they're all gelling and they're cohesive and they're on the same exact point. Defense is very, very easy to get right back up to where you left off on. I mean, think about it even with football. That's why you see all these spring games. You see offenses really struggle to score, but the defenses are usually playing at their maximum capacity. Uh, and, and it's not just for, you know, it's not just strictly for football, but it's also with hockey as well. Um, defensive structure, especially a strong defensive structure, is easier to regain than a team that's able to play fire engine hockey and pass to where plays should be. It takes them a while to get reacclimated. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the only thing that I worry about from an Islander standpoint, and and actually old, not just Islanders, is going to be uh, muscle injuries uh, coming back like that. I think especially when you're hopping almost immediately into a playoff atmosphere. I know they want to play a few games, but jumping into a playoff atmosphere uh, after maybe two weeks spring training, um, I think you're going to run the risk of there being a lot of lower body injuries with muscle pulls. 
And we kind of talked about that last podcast. And I think that is something that they're they're going to try to go ahead and make sure they they whittle it down to where they're going to have a, as ample as amount of time as possible in this atmosphere. Again, I'm not sure how long they're going to have, but I still think they're going to at least have a bare minimum of two weeks practice and at least a week, maybe a week and a half of these games or these simulated type of games where they're going to be playing competition on other teams. Yeah. Um, without a doubt. And, and again, we're going to find out more as things continue to progress. But, you know, based off the most recent reports, which were today, this afternoon, um, they're definitely moving towards that 2014 playoff atmosphere is definitely going to be the way they're going to side, which I think actually works out well. Yeah. I Like I said, a lot of people complaining, well, they didn't deserve to make the playoffs. They were a crappy team. Well, you know what? They're making the best of a bad situation. And, uh, you know, there were certain – I mean, I'm sure they looked at it and said, well, these seven teams, there were no way they were going to qualify for the playoffs. Probably a lot of the 24, the bottom ones, probably wouldn't have either. But you have to make it where everyone gets to play some games, some type of meaningful game, before going into a playoffs a format. And absolutely. And, again, like the teams are going to exclude you, right? They're going to be the Ottawa Senators, the teams like the Detroit Red Wings, those teams that had no, cha- no chance at all to make the playoffs that were virtually already eliminated before the coronavirus hit. Again, you know, crazy things could happen, but in the same token, it wasn't going to. Um, but, yeah, grumpy old man, I, I think they are just making the best out of a bad situation. And this will be a year that hockey fans never forget. And I think, you know, humans are never going to forget, you know, 2020 and the coronavirus. It's too easy of a number to forget. You know, it's repetitive 2020. And, you know, obviously it it affected sports in many different ways. But this will be a year that hockey fans always remember as being a wild and crazy one. I think this playoff atmosphere and this playoff format could – I think it could be beneficial to just a, an enjoyable atmosphere. Again, we want the Islanders to win, obviously, but it's something I've never seen before, and it, it could just be a little different mix-up that we all are, you know, maybe uh, a sight for sore eyes. Yeah, I'm not a, a fan of every team making the playoffs. Um, you know, the NHL used to have when they had 21 teams in the league, 16 would make the playoffs, only five teams missed. Um, but you know, for this year. I'm not opposed to it all. I, I think it's going to be more exciting. Teams that uh, didn't have a shot to make the playoffs now will make the playoffs, which is going to energize some of those fan bases. I don't know what they're going to do about fans, if they're not going to let fans in the building. I, I don't know anything about that yet. Um, but I'm certainly happy that we're going to get the season resumed sometime in the, in the near future here. I mean, I've missed hockey big time. I don't know about you. Uh, but I certainly want to see a resolution to this season also. Yeah, and, and that's kind of going to move me to my next point, Grumpy Old Man. I'm not sure where the games are going to be held. I'm sure that's going to also be detailed somewhere in here. I'm not sure if they're going to be played in front of fans or you know, maybe they have to go ahead and have X amount of empty seats in between each fan. I don't know. Um, but to speak about it, it's the coronavirus has obviously affected each state differently. And, you know, mayors and governors are taking whatever action they see appropriate at that time period. I know the mayor of Los, I think it was the mayor of Los Angeles said they're going to have the state home order extended another three months. And if that's the case, you're kind of wondering, okay, you know, I, I, obviously the Kings are not a terrific team at this time period. They wouldn't have been making the playoffs anyway. But in the same token, what happens to those teams out there in California if this is, you know, kind of the approach that they're taking? 
Well, they're talking about suing the governor of California for shutting the government down for an extended period of time. So, I mean, who knows? But, you know, like I said, you got to get people back to work. I mean, I just the only thing I don't want to see throughout this whole entire process is to to see the game, the great game of hockey and really see sports in general drug through this political mud. I don't want to see that. And I feel like it's going to to a certain extent. But as a hockey fan and a fan of the New York Islanders and just sports in general, I don't want to see the political aspect, you know, Democrat, Republican. I don't want to see any of that drug into our sports. So, again, I know it's going to be to a certain extent because everybody has different viewpoints depending on, you know, what state you're in. So it's going to affect everybody differently. But I just I, I would prefer, of course, not to see it politicized too much. It probably will. But in the same token, you know, you can you can hope, right, grumpy old man? Yeah, you're right. They everything. It seems like everything in today's day and age is politicized. Um, from my point of view, you can't live in your house the rest of your life. <laughs> you're gonna have to get out there at some point in time. And uh, it seems like the high point of all this is kind of past. I guess. Um, so let's get people back out there on a limited basis. Let's you know. Let's start living our lives again. I think it's a. I think that's a good thing for the people of America. Well, I don't. Even, I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk about that type of stuff specifically, grumpy old man. I was talking more about how this will affect the teams. If you know, let's say for example, you're in a state to where they're going to have strict lockdown and they're going to have stay at home orders. You know, let's say just like for example, Los Angeles, they want to go ahead and extend that another three months. Let's say you're in a state that's like that or or takes that viewpoint, and your team's going to be a playoff caliber team. How does that transpire for you? What happens for your team? What happens for your organization? What's going to happen there? That's where I think we may see the real issues. Yeah, well, maybe they can move those teams somewhere else. I don't know. And, them- and that's what I was about to say. Obviously, they're going to have to play that or, or make that team almost a transplant team where they're going to have to play somewhere else. That kind of takes away the home ice advantage. Um, then again, though, who well, knows if they're not- even going to be fans in the stands to begin with. Right. If you're not playing in front of fans, does it really matter? I mean, you know, that's the whole thing. There is no home ice advantage. So, and, and it's unfortunately because I think that, I think that has a, I think home ice advantage is a big thing in the NHL. I really it's do. Huge. It's huge. It's the yeah. same exact thing with college football too. That home field advantage and just the craziness of the fans, especially in at Nassau Coliseum. I mean, it's it's a very very low arena. And the the sound really reverberates off of everything, every little corner of that arena and in the Coliseum. And you're right. Home ice advantage does play a huge factor for the Islanders. And that's why I was kind of bringing this up. Yeah, that's one of the sports that I think that missing the fans is uh, – you'll notice. I mean, some sports you don't need it. Golf, tennis, horse racing – Auto racing. I mean, you don't Even really. Baseball, I don't, you don't really need fans all that much. Yeah, baseball, really not. But certain like football, hockey, basketball, I think the fans, uh, to me, actually, I'm kind of looking forward to no fans. But here's the thing I want them to mic the ice uh, or mic a court or mic a football field. I want to hear what the players are saying. I don't want to hear anything cut out. I want to see what really goes on. I think it's an opportunity for these sports to really forward. What really goes on in these games? Tell me you wouldn't like to hear somebody screaming, you know, saying something about another guy's mother on the ice or something like that. Wouldn't it be fantastic? I think, I, again, like I came from an atmosphere where I played football at a high level and I played or was in the locker room. So I know the type of stuff that goes on. I wouldn't mind that at all. But from, and I think you're right, they could capitalize on this 
if certain players knew they were mic'd up. I could see them maybe like uh, during commercial breaks using little cutscenes where they're talking about certain snippets where players are talking. But to run a live mic, grumpy old man, I'm going to let you know something. There's a lot of obscenities thrown around out there on the ice. And <laughs> there's right. There's a lot of there's a lot of nasty talk out there. And I'm not sure necessarily it would be family, quote unquote, family friendly. Well, you can have two broadcasts. You can have one that's like for an extra five bucks. You know, for five bucks, you can listen to the uncensored version of these games. I mean, I think it's a seller. I, I know. Here's the thing. I'd be willing to pay five bucks a game or whatever to watch, uh, you know, Tom Brady scream obscenities in the official or something like that. I think it'd be great. I mean, you know, right when you look at Tom Brady, right, Mr. Squeaky Clean, but I'm going to guarantee he's out there cussing on the field too. Um, you know, I think it would be fantastic. Or how about going on the ice or let the basketball players, I'm sure they're trash talking. Everybody trash talks, right? I, I mean, say, it, it definitely could be an interesting thought. If they were to do something where you could pay for that service, uh, man, I got that stimulus check money. I could just go ahead and throw it towards that fund. <laughs> no, all joking aside, but that, that definitely could be an interesting thought. You're all grumpy old man. Right. And especially, you know, then you can add more awards at the end of the, you know, best wide receiver trash talker or, um, best forward trash talker in the NHL or, you know, something like that. I think it'd be fantastic just to, and also to get to hear the interaction on the ice between the teams also. I mean, that's another thing that you could do is, you know, uh, when you see guys on the ice, you know, setting up plays and stuff like that, I think it would be fantastic. I, I think it's an opportunity to make some money for all these other leagues that have lost a lot. And when you see action get chippy, which it does all the time in the playoffs, you're able to hear those different interactions that occur on the ice, who's trying to defuse situations, who's trying to spur them on, who the real agitators are. I mean, obviously, we could look at what the play is on the ice and see who the agitators are, and we can trust what you know the announcers say, like Pierre LeBron, oh, you know, he's definitely down there chirping a lot. But to see it firsthand is just a different experience that heading shell fans really haven't been able to witness. And, and Fans in general of sports. I think it would be absolutely spectacular to, to listen to the the real sights and sounds of the game. Matter of fact, put microphones on everybody. I want to hear what's going on with every player and everything single snap. That's what I want to hear. And let the guys in the truck earn their money by, you know, okay, this Bleeding guy. Bleeding out every other word. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, just sell and send, you know, pay for an uncensored version. I think it's great. I, and I think, let me tell you something. The grumpy old man has another money-making idea right here, and I think that, uh, TJ, you need to find a way to get me in contact with all these professional sports leagues so uh, we can get a little cut of the action when they eventually go to stuff like this. <laughs> well, grumpy, I can tell you one thing. With the the freeing up of what's allowed on TV, I could see something like that occurring, maybe not, maybe not in the near future, but definitely down the road. I wouldn't be opposed to something like that. I could definitely see that catching on. I mean, a little extra fee, and you understand that you pay for it. You get to really experience what it is. Um, you talk about internet culture as well. People love that type of stuff, and it's going to be a brand new thing nobody's really ever seen before. You want to talk about gaining some extra publicity, a free publicity as well for your league, that could be something right there. Because people, honestly, a lot of people on the internet, maybe they don't care necessarily about football, hockey, baseball. It doesn't matter. But when they see the interactions and they see the jawing back and forth and when somebody goes ahead and lays, you know, an ultimate smackdown, uh, you know, a verbal smackdown on somebody, oh, my gosh, that gets retweeted, it gets favorited, it gets shared, no matter what it is, just because they couldn't believe it happened. And that type of and that type of you know oh it actually happened on the ice that's insane I think that's great publicity it's free publicity for the NHL 
and I think you you're going to create more. You would create more stars that way, also. Instead of you know uh, different goal celebration, they come up with some type of trash talking to the goalie or something like that. You know, I, mean, I, I think just, I think it'd be fantastic. And guys would start working on stuff like that. Well, I got to work on my trash talking because you know it's going to be on NHL exposed or whatever. You know, I think I think it's a great idea. I don't know. Grumpyle man, you might be a pioneer on this thought process. I'm not sure if it's going to happen in your lifetime, maybe not my lifetime, but I can guarantee you at one point in time, one way or the other, something like this is going to be in some capacity. They already do it to a certain extent where they have the certain snippets where it's like, oh, yeah, come on, left, 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 right, 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 or, you know, like where they're just on the ice talking about it. But to have it where it's completely uncensored and you pay a little extra fee, now you could be talking about, now you could be talking about something special, grumpy old man. Especially, you know, you stick a guy in the ribs or something like that. You know, probably what would happen, we'd listen to Brock Nelson and we'd realize that he has nothing to say. That's what I would probably. I was about to say, I don't think anybody's really talking a mean trash talk. I could see Matt Barzal being a mean trash talker for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested. I would really love to see who the trash talkers are on every team. You know, you know, Brad Marchant would have to be one. Cal right? Clutterbuck, I'm sure, is a trash talker right. too. I mean, I, I I mean, I'd love it. You know, best teams, best trash talker. Wouldn't you like to know that? I mean, and then you could vote on it. Who's the best trash talker? I don't even think voting on it really matters or anything like that. I just think it really allows the sport to grow. You get to find out a little bit more personality about these people where, okay, you know, football, it's huge. It's, you know, overbearing to a certain extent. You know, you got the quarterbacks, they do the speak, they all do this, they do X, Y, and Z. When you talk about hockey specifically, it's not like there's one position to where it's oh this is our this is our face you know it could be a goalie could be defenseman could be a forward and even when you get down to that in the same token it's not like they're going to have as many speaking engagements that are going to be publicized as much as they are with the NFL and to allow them this avenue where you can hear the trash talk for you know a certain fee or something like that or or you can say oh yes I'm over this age and yes I'd like to hear what actually goes on the ice I think that could really that could really be something for the NHL to use to exploit. Yeah, and like I said, you would create new stars. I mean, don't you want to do that? And especially in a sport like hockey, with everyone in the helmets and the masks, you know, back when you don't I get to see play- their face, and that's another thing too. With football, the only one you really know is the quarterback, and like maybe some running backs and wide receivers because you see their face. You always see the face of the quarterback. You couldn't pick an offensive lineman's face out or who the hell the offensive lineman was because you don't see his face that often. You don't get to hear him talk very much. Offensive linemen are big and dumb. Uh, <laughs> what, what position did you play in uh, college? I believe it was offensive line. There you go. Thank you for proving my point. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, though, it would be fantastic. Like I said, back when I was a kid, you know, not everybody wore helmets. Matter of fact, most people didn't. And, you know, so you knew what the players look like. Where now, you know, it's, you know, some guys you know, but most guys you don't, you know, unless you're a real diehard. But, uh, you don't know what their faces look like, but if you could hear them talking trash, eventually you'd know, hey, there's a guy giving it to another guy in the corner. Just, I don't know. I well, think I'll put it like this. When you talk about not having the helmets on, I could spot Phil Esposito from a million miles away. I mean, he just had that look up. It, the thing is, like, you saw him all the time. You saw his face out there on the ice. It's Phil Esposito. I'm mean, like, I could spot Phil Esposito out from a million people. What was, um, what was that? Hold on. What was that accent you were trying to do there? I don't know. It was a documentary I watched, Grumpy Old Man. I Really, now we're going off on an aside. But it was a documentary I watched. It was between uh, the Canadians and the Russians. 
And it was when Phil Esposito, I think, tripped on a rose or a flower or the mic or something like that, the, the, the cord. I don't remember what it was, but he tripped and fell. And, like, Phil Esposito does his impersonation of what's going on. And I was trying to impersonate Phil Esposito's impersonation of what was going on. So it was and pretty convoluted. Was, but So it was Phil Esposito. Is that what you tried to say? I don't remember exactly how it was, but he says it. And he said it in a very, very funny manner. So that's yeah. what I was well, trying to remember. guy. He's a funny guy. He really is. Uh, I mean, I remember when he was GM of the Rangers and, uh, you know, I, Phil Esposito was a funny guy. I remember when he was doing broadcasts also. He, I mean, and he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, started with, actually started with the Blackhawks, I believe, and then a big trade sent him over to Boston. And that helped, uh, you know, turn him into Stanley Cup winners with Bobby Orr was there. So he, he and Ken Hodge went over there. That was a steal of a deal for Boston. Set them mm. on, sent them on their way. Going, that's in the way back machine. That's over fifty years. That's fifty years ago. So, Oof, grumpy, a long time that. ago. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, grumpy man, I think you're on to something. Um, I know we're right around the thirty minute mark, but is there kind of anything else? I know we didn't get to talk a lot of hockey specific, but I mean that idea is. It's I'd say it's, it's revolutionary. It's something they should consider. It would make them more money, and let's be honest, that's all they care about is the money. Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking at Major League Baseball, right? They're talking about, you know, bringing the teams back, and you hear some players come out and look, well, I'm getting my money. There's no way I'm not getting my money. I want every penny, every penny uh, pay that's owed to me. And I'm like, gosh, dude, I just think you're so tone deaf, and I just think Major League Baseball in particular is just a tone deaf sport. Um, Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like Blake Snell, I think, was the big candidate who came out and said, I'm not going to play at all unless I get exactly what I'd signed on my contract. And then you got guys playing only half the games that he'd want. And obviously, you know, the revenue that the team would generate would be half of that. So, I mean, like, again, if you're looking at it, uh, you know, oh, you know, you only play in half the games, the team won't be able to make as much money. Um, but I think you're right. People are out there struggling. Uh, unemployment's extremely high. And when you see certain people that you look up to and somewhat idolize because they're good at playing a, a children's game and you see them holding out and they're and they're just using this this thought process is just out of touch with normal Americans and normal people to it, it definitely can leave a bad taste and sour an image that you have of someone. Right. And then you got not just Snell, then you have uh Bryce Harper coming out. Oh, well, you know, hey, I'm agreement. Someone had to say it. And Nolan Arenado comes out and says the same thing. I'm like, my gosh, guys, don't you have anyone who's in charge? Who, I mean, Tony You're Clark. making tens of millions of dollars every year. I mean, these are the players that are the upper echelon. I'm not sure how much Blake Snell makes, but I know Nolan Arenado is one of the top third basemen in the league there for the Rockies. And then Bryce Harper signed that absolutely massive deal. I mean, again, Everybody's making cuts. Everybody's making sacrifices. A lot of people are unemployed right now. A lot of people are living off of unemployment checks. They're struggling to make ends meet, trying to find a way to get back to work. Small business owners are struggling. And have people saying that, yeah, if our league is going to play for half the amount of time that we usually play for, I still want to get paid my full my full pay. Well, I don't, I don't I get it. They realize they're going to have to get paid half. And then Blake Snell was scheduled to make $7 million this year. So it would be $3.5 million that he would get for only an 81-game season. Uh, and then they want it to be like revenue share, like 50-50 between what the owners and players make. And they're just – here's the thing. The Major League Baseball players are just dead set against a, con, uh, against a salary cap of any way, shape, or form or anything that's going to restrict salaries. And 
honestly, when you look at other sports, I think you should go the salary cap way, to be the, honest. With you. The only thing that keeps that sport and that players association so strong is that they play 162 games a year. It's not because so many people tune in to watch every single baseball game. It's because there's so many different baseball games and they bring in so many different viewers over that extended time period, which is the reason why they're able to have such a strong union. I, I could definitely see them sitting out a year. Well, I, the owners would never do it. They're scared. The, the, the union is that, – that's the strongest sports unity there is. And I think the reason why they are still a viable sport is because they have no competition in the summer months, absolutely none, right? In June uh, – you, the NHL players are over, the NBA players are over, NFL doesn't start until uh, September, and NHL starts in July and August, which are all just complete baseball domination. Right, right, June, July, and August. I mean, it's nothing but baseball there. So I just I just think those players have too much power, honestly. Um, and I'm a, I'm a believer that players should get whatever they can, but my gosh, I just think it's a bad look when you, have in, when you see so many people in this country and the world struggling right now. Um, you know, just to put food on the table, and these guys are complaining that they're not getting their full salary. I, I just think they're tone deaf. So. Yeah, and I, I get it. I I understand if it's somebody who's making on a on an entry level deal, he's making six hundred thousand or three hundred thousand. I can understand him being a little bit upset with that. But in the same token, those players might be a younger player, uh, so you know they've got a longer time to earn. But still, you know, the players that make a large contract like a Bryce Harper or Nolan Arenado. Those are the players I'm kind of just kind of like, come on, guys. I understand these are the maximum years you can earn and your max potential earning because you're at the prime of your career. I understand that. But in the same token, you're not going to play half the games of the season, but you still think you should be paid for those games that you're not going to play. That's that's the thing. I mean, like you play – and I understand, you know, injuries, you're, you're always, you know, going to miss X amount of games each year. But, you know, your expectation starting the year is to play 162 games or maybe with a maintenance date here or there. But when the team can't make that money because they're missing the 81 games, you you shouldn't be paid for it because the income and the revenue is not going to be there for those 81 games. I don't understand what's so difficult to understand about that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to get ugly, and, like and it's a bad look. Is right again. It's a bad look. Obviously, I'm not I'm not hiding my opinion on it. I think it's a really bad look. Yeah, and baseball just always manages. They ha- really had an opportunity to be the first sport back, but as usual, the squabbles between the owners and the players' association is probably going to prevent that. And exactly you know, when, you think, when you think about baseball. They're all social distancing almost all the time. I mean, the the amount of space in between usual players it's quite it's quite large. It's really easy to have a six foot bare minimum space between these type of these type of players. I mean, think about it. UFC was the first sport back. I mean, I guess it was hacky sack or I think it was um, cornhole or something like that. And wrestling darts. wrestling has never stopped. A w- okay. wrestling has never stopped. Okay, the first non scripted sport to return was UFC because wrestling is a sport, but you know what I mean? They script out the outcome and what's going to happen, but that is true. It didn't stop, but UFC is not scripted. And I mean, that's a, that's a one-on-one mono mono. If you both consent to get in there, you're good to go still. And tell me baseball wouldn't be cleaning up right now if they were playing. Yeah. But they, like I said, they can't get out of their own way sometimes. So, I mean, I just, I'm just glad that the NHL has, and Bettman has been adamant from the beginning. We are going to get our playoffs and we're going to get our season finished up. 
I'm glad he did that. Um, I think it would. Like, I think it would have been a real death nail to the sport if they were not able to finish, especially the NHL this year. Because well, I mean, I look know. at years past, they've had issues between the NHL and the Players Association multiple times. So if you saw this again, where they were going to have issues. And you got the collective bargaining agreement coming up, and not so long. I mean, like it did. It, I don't think it would have voted well, but I'm glad to see they're making some serious progress. Yeah, I I don't think it would have been a death knell, but it wouldn't have helped. That's for certain. And yes, sir, grumpy old man. Uh, but that you know that kind of concludes our podcast today. Unless there's something else you want to say, grumpy. Yeah, well, I did. I did want to say something on a personal note that we lost one of the members, uh, one of the big fans of the uh, Never Say Die podcast. My dad passed away uh, just yesterday, at the just short of ninety years old. And uh, yeah, and I can say a lot of things about my dad, but you know, I know he kind of introduced me to the game of hockey, and actually all sports. And he was as honest as the day was long. I know you hear everybody always says that, but it was truly the case with my father and, uh, he will certainly be missed. Uh, I certainly by me. And, uh, it's just, you know, I just wanted to just mention that on this podcast. Well, thank you, grumpy on a personal level. Uh, and obviously sorry there for your loss. Um, I hate to lose any member of the hockey podcast network was definitely someone that does affect you. Grumpy old man is obviously, um, it's a sad moment. Um, but, you know, thank you for being a part of the podcast as always. And, My pleasure. Uh, and uh, we look forward to, to, to next week's podcast. We're going to have a, a guest on, uh, Brady Leavold. He is um, an ex-hockey player, professional hockey player, who has had struggles with an addiction. And this is kind of his story about how he went from hockey to, to heroin and the road to recovery that he's back on. And uh, I will ask him the question, who's, who would you rather have on your team? Patrick Kane or Anders Lee, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to ask him that question and my prediction. Well, here's the thing. He's a professional hockey player, so I know who he's going to pick. And I feel, always feel confident. He's an ex-professional hockey player. Right. But yes, but, grumpy old man, just don't pose it incorrectly. That's all I ask. I'll pose it just the way you did. And I will say once again that, uh, like I said, I never fear posing this question because I always know what everyone's answer is going to be except for TJ. Uh, and it'll just be another victory for the grumpy old man. I feel confident about that. Grumpy, I feel like you're going to lie about how you're going to pose this question like you always do. I don't think you're going to provide enough context, but uh, we shall see next week, Grumpy. Thank you. All righty. I appreciate you having on the podcast, Grumpy. And again, sorry there for your loss. Um, and and uh, obviously, we got you in your thoughts. We have you, we, You're in our thoughts and prayers, Grumpy old man. Well, make sure you do our uh, our little wrap up there at the end, like you're supposed to. <laughs> well, yeah. I, again, we we thank the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, they allow us to have this platform where we can post the the Never Say Dad podcast on multiple different platforms. Whether it's you listen to your podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, even Google Podcasts, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Dad podcast. So big thank you to them, and thank you, Grumpy Old Man, for being a part of the podcast, especially with everything that's going on in your life. My pleasure.